everyone and welcome back to We Are Not Too Young. This topic is one that I have been researching about and thinking about for a very long time, so I am really excited to get into this. Today's topic is reposting on social media, so let's get right into it. So for anyone who may not have social media or who just doesn't use it often, I'll explain what reposting trends actually are. So basically, if there's some event that causes outrage or some movement begins to gain traction, people will create Instagram posts about it. And the following day, as you sit in your bed and scroll through your Instagram stories, almost every person's story will contain a reposting of whatever post went viral the day before. And the problem with this, I often find, is that these are reposted as a trend, as a way for people to signal that they are woke and that they care about the movements. And additionally, I would wager that a large majority of the people who repost these things or join in on these trends haven't actually researched what they repost. It's an utterly blind act. Now, before I get into my examples, I want to emphasize that I do not use examples of violence against women to minimize the tragedy that afflicts the victims. I also want to emphasize that I do not use these examples to minimize the horrid act of racism. Racism is completely unacceptable and completely out of line with the message of the gospel, as is violence against women. So I use these examples rather to point out the laziness and often trivializing nature of Instagram story reposts. So to begin, I want everyone to rewind with me to the summer of 2020. The hashtag challenge accepted began to go viral. And to anyone who doesn't know about this, essentially, women and girls were posting black and white photos of themselves and challenging others to do the same. In an article in the New York Times titled Challenge Accepted, Why Women Are Posting Black and White Selfies, Taylor Lorenz wrote this, quote, The premise of the challenge accepted trend is that these photos promote female empowerment and that nominating friends to take part in the campaign is a way for women to support each other, end quote. The photos many women used generally contained no imagery or internalized message. They were just ordinary filtered photos. And Lauren says, quote, these photographs are often posed and filtered, taken from flattering angles and accompanied by benign captions about supporting women. Quote, love this simple way to live each other up, hashtag challenge accepted. Thank you for nominating me at Vanessa Bryant, the model Cindy Crawford posted on Monday, along with a black and white photo of herself strolling on a beach that looks ripped from a Calvin Klein advertisement. End quote. Now, I'd venture to say that most people who participated in this trend do not even know its origins. But I wanted to know. So, in the April 12th episode of the Crime Junkies podcast, I found my answer. You can go listen to that episode if you want to know more details, but for the short and sweet, let me introduce you to Pinar Gultekin. Pinar was a 27-year-old student from Turkey. On July 16th, 2020, she was reported missing, and days later, her remains were found in the woods. Pinar, we learn, was savagely beaten before being strangled, burned, dumped in the woods, and buried in cement by her 32-year-old boyfriend, Jamal. After this hit the news, a movement began in Turkey exposing the high rates of violence against women. As this movement spread to American followers, we watered it down, and Pinar was forgotten. The movement became about female empowerment rather than the memorial of the soul lost. And don't get me wrong, there is nothing wrong with female empowerment, but this was not the purpose of the movement. It was about Pinar. Yet, no one knew her name, no one talked about her, 
but people were nonetheless ready to share a black and white selfie because it was trendy, because they were supposed to, because they were tagged by their friends and everybody was doing it. And I would argue that this trend completely trivialized the brutal murder of Pinar. Now, I know those who participated in the trend weren't trivializing it intentionally, but I do think many who participated showed a lack of thought. And without taking the time to research a trend or viral movement, I believe we show a lack of respect for the movement itself. Now, I would like to admit, because I strive to not misinform on this podcast, that there is some disagreement over whether this trend truly originated in Turkey, but I have looked at the different theories. There is this media bias chart called the Ad Fontes chart, where you can see the percent bias of each news source. I looked at the articles coming from the most neutral sources, and from my research, I've concluded that this trend did indeed begin in Turkey, morphing as it came farther and farther west. But I encourage you to make your own decision. As I often say, be sure to think for yourself. Next, let's discuss the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. This one is much older. In 2014, this challenge became one of the most viral challenges to hit the internet. Those who participated in this trend would upload a video to social media of themselves pouring a bucket of ice water on their head, accompanied by a caption about ALS and a donation to the organization. I remember this challenge well, but what I don't remember is why it happened. As much as it was hyped up, not many people were educated about ALS. It was, for most, just a fun trend. And the true purpose of the trend was lost for many. In an article for the Scientific American titled The Surprisingly Short Life of Viral Social Movements, Sander Vanderlinden says, quote, Thus, although the campaign successfully raised a commendable amount of one-off donations to help fund important future research for ALS treatments and care services, it is questionable whether the campaign did anything to substantially improve people's understanding of serious neurodegenerative diseases such as ALS or foster any type of sustained long-term support for its cause. Indeed, estimates suggest that one in four participants did not even mention ALS in their videos, and only one in five participants mentioned a donation, end quote. This challenge is yet another example showing the not always but often trivializing nature of social media movements. The final challenge I want to discuss, which I was most hesitant to bring up, is the Blackout Tuesday challenge. In response to the brutal and inexcusable murder of George Floyd, this trend involved posting a black square to your Instagram feed accompanied by the hashtag Blackout Tuesday. This is what Shannon Ho, a writer for NBC News, says about this movement. Quote, but it also backfired. Activists pointed out that the post drowned out organizing efforts and others called out people who posted black squares but had done little to advance the Black Lives Matter cause. Chelsea Miller, a leading organizer in New York who helps run Freedom March NYC, said it was clear that the Blackout Tuesday effort didn't consult with activists on the ground and became a social trend. She said, what it ultimately did is muted the conversation. And in a time when we are trying to amplify our voices, we were inherently silenced, end quote. And later, Shannon Ho also brings in a statement from an important voice in the Black Lives Matter movement. Quote, activist Nupol Kiazolu, president of the Black Lives Matter of Greater New York, called hashtag Blackout Tuesday frustrating and counterproductive. She encouraged people to see the blackout post as just a small part of what they can do from the comfort of their smartphones, such as donating money and items to organizations that are facilitating the marches. 
Quote, posting is just one step, Kiazolu said. If you can't come out on the front lines, there's always something more you can do besides post, end quote. And that is the problem with this movement, from the mouth of Kiazolu herself. What we do on our smartphones is a small fraction of what we can do for a movement. And if it's important to you, wouldn't it be more effective to get off your phone and do something constructive for that cause? Now, to quickly address a few questions I received, one listener asked, to put it in layman's terms, whether viral reposting was the same as or an extension of oral tradition. So oral tradition is the practice of relating information through word of mouth alone. And I would argue, no, it is not, in the sense that they do not share a category. Oral tradition has been found to be reliable, not watertight, but reliable in history, but not as much in viral movements. Viral movements have been found usually to be ineffective at creating long-lasting change. And the next question is, how do we best lead people away from overly emotional appeals and rather towards logical thinking? And I think the above answer applies too. Emotional viral movements are significantly less effective at creating positive, permanent change over sound reasoning. Reasoning speaks for itself, and emotions often do not. And the final question I think I should address is concerning people who repost things that say, oh, I'm not going to repost anything because there are too many voices. And I think the problem is not necessarily that there are too many voices, but that there are too many voices who are uninformed or who repost without thinking about it. I find it unhelpful to post something like that that simply says there are too many voices without explaining why those voices aren't effective long-term and will only create short-lived indignancy. So to kind of wrap up, the internet is full of noise. Social media is full of those flowery, hand-lettered posts depicting important movements of which the creator likely knows very little. So what do we do? It's simple. Refuse to contribute to the noise. Refuse to participate in slacktivism. And what is slacktivism? Shannon Ho says this, quote, the word slacktivism traces to 1995 as a portmanteau of slacker and activism. As elements of life have moved online in the 25 years since, slacktivism has come to represent half-hearted social media-based activity, along with other terms like virtue signaling and performative allyship, end quote. So instead of engaging in slacktivism, why don't we do something about the things that concern us? Be an advocate in everyday real life, rather than just in the four seconds it takes to repost something about which you may know very little. Take the time to research, Think for yourself and find the origins and importance of the subject matter. And don't let important subjects be watered down by meaningless, thoughtless posts that consume your social media feed. Respond with constructive action, not internet outrage. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of We Are Not Too Young. Peace be with you. (music) 